This is NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Kia Miakanatis. What'd you eat for breakfast? I'm willing to bet at least half the people listening right now ate a meal that included egg. If you're not vegan or allergic, chances are most of the food you eat involves that special little oval orb. A new book, Egg by Lizzie Stark, shares the wide and ranging history of this incredibly versatile food and symbol. Here she is with Here and Now's Jane Clayson. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Eggs are used in vaccine cultivation, decoration, and of course, the egg is essential to many a delicious dish. Author Lizzie Stark boils down the history of the egg in her exquisite new book, Egg, A Dozen Overtures. Lizzie Stark joins us now. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the book is so interesting and fun and just chock full of egg facts and stories. As you say, the egg has played a major role throughout history and across cultures. Give us an example of that. Well, the egg is central to world mythology. It appears so frequently in myths that mythologists have given it the name the cosmic egg. So a good example of this is in Finnish myth. There is a bird flying over the Lady of the Waters, and she lays an egg on the Lady of the Waters' leg, and eventually the eggs break and they let out the whole world. Mm. You also tackled the proverbial question about which came first, the chicken or the egg. So let's put that to rest. It was? The egg, of course, (laughs) by millions and millions of years. Um, Reptiles were reproducing via egg uh, long before there were even the ancestors of chickens available. And that shell of the egg was developed to allow animals to replicate away from the moisture of water. Tyrannosaurus rex laid eggs 65 million years ago, and I guess chickens are their closest living relative. That's right. You also point out there is a long history of eggs as art objects, some of the most famous being the Pisanki. Is that how you say it? Pasenki. What is Pasenki? Pasenki is the ancient Ukrainian art of egg decoration. So these eggs were dyed using a wax resistance technique where you draw on the egg in wax and then you, when you put the egg into the dye, it doesn't dye under the wax. Mm. And you can keep waxing and dyeing eggs, putting them in different colors until at the end you've got this egg that's thick with jumbled wax. And when you melt the wax off, a beautiful pattern is revealed. These eggs were made by women after their kids were in bed. um, And the creation of them was ritualized. Often people would conduct the egg dyeing in holy silence. And the patterns that Pisenki makers create were passed down from mother to daughter for generations. And many cultures love a beautifully decorated egg. In China, red eggs symbolize luck, eaten on birthdays and special days, such as a child's first day of school. In Mexico, decorated eggs are hollowed out and filled with confetti for joyful explosions. There are many stories around the world. 
Oh, for sure. Um, in Persia, there were wedding eggs decorated as part of a ceremonial spread when a couple's married, and they might have gold foil on them or be encrusted with pearls or rhinestones. Another interesting thing we learn in your book is how chickens rotate their eggs, presumably to counter the effects of gravity, which pulls the yolk downward. Who knew? And that turned into an experiment actually in space. Yeah, there was a young farm boy who got interested in this, a guy named John Vellinger, and he noticed this family's backyard chickens doing this, and he wondered what would happen if these eggs, instead of being incubated on Earth where there's gravity, what would happen to them if they went to space? And eventually he went on to win a NASA science competition, and he was hooked up with a corporate sponsor, uh, in this case, Kentucky Fried Chicken, (laughs) and using his partner in the R&D lab working together, they created an incubator that could take live eggs to space and incubate them for a few days. And eventually, when the results came back down to Earth, a few of the chickens had survived and were hatched and sent to local zoos. And that is how the Louisville Zoo ended up with Kentucky, Mm -hmm. the first space chicken. (laughs) I love when you write that the egg is the world's largest cellular workhorse and that an egg's versatility comes directly from its chemical makeup. The holy trinity of ingredients, you write, the white and the yolk, the protein and the fat, the yin and the yang of culinary building blocks. Talk to us about an egg's structural versatility. Sure. Well, we normally think about an egg as one ingredient, but really it's three ingredients because you can use just the white, just the yolk, or the two mixed together. And both the white and the yolk have some interesting properties. The white is this bag of, uh, you could think of it as a pool filled with little balls of yarn. And the more you whisk or heat the yarn, the more the little balls of yarn unravel and start tangling. And you can trap things inside that tangle like air. And then you get a souffle or like fat. And then you might end up with something more cake-like. Similarly with the yolk, the yolk is full of fat, but it also has um, molecules in it that are emulsifiers. They can bond to both water and fat. So, you know, an egg yolk is great for something like hollandaise, where it joins watery lemon juice with oily butter into a perfect and perfectly delicious finished sauce. Mm. And this is one of the reasons that uh, Jacques Pepin told me that the egg is to cuisine what the article is to speech. You can't do a thing in the kitchen without one. I love that, Um, yeah. With apologies to our vegan friends, uh, humans have eaten eggs since the literal dawn of human time. And I love when you write that cooking an egg is like jazz. Once you master the basics, you can combine them in any way you like, and it will always come out right. How do you like yours? Oh, I like mine puddingy. So I like a softer textured egg. And the difference between a delicious soft textured egg and... A hard, rubbery, browned egg is not as far as you might think. It could be a few seconds in the pan or a millimeter extra on that stove dial. And eggs were a way for you and your dad to bond when you were a little girl. Tell us the story of you two working together to try new techniques in the kitchen. 
My dad loves cooking, and he wanted to share that with me. So on Saturday mornings, we would make breakfast together, and most of our dishes were pretty egg-focused. We did one experiment where we boiled eggs for 30-second intervals to figure out how long uh, the perfect soft-boiled egg would be boiled. You've had a difficult relationship with the eggs in your own body. You had your ovaries removed when you were 39. Can you talk about that a little bit? I have a high family risk of developing breast and ovarian cancer because many of the women in my family carry a BRCA1 mutation. Everybody has two BRCA1 genes in every cell of their body, and in my family, one is broken. So to cope with my very high risk of developing ovarian cancer, the doctors recommend I take my ovaries out. And physically, this operation wasn't a big deal. It was an outpatient surgery, but it was a bigger deal emotionally because removing my ovaries plunged me into immediate surgical menopause. So what was it like for you to go through this journey to write this book as you were actually giving up your own eggs? Well, it didn't hit me at first, but then I woke up one day and thought, oh, I'm writing a book of eggs and I'm also (laughs) preparing to remove my ovaries. How did I miss this? Um, I mean, Freud would have a field day. You know, over time, I've made my peace with it. I think writing this book and learning more about the amazing variety of eggs in the world and the amazing variety of uses has given me some peace. Um, Even if I don't have the eggs inside my body, I'm still going to make a mean rice omelet. And that act is enough to bring me closer to the people who I love. And that is part of why I had the surgery. So I would say that writing this book has given me some peace. Lizzie Stark's new book is Egg a Dozen Overtures. Lizzie Stark, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single-barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of their friendly guides. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org.